0: We look at each other and it is that look of our years of friendship. It is that exchange of all of our chemistry. And I also look at her and piercing through my eyes, I am saying, I am sorry.
1: Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary personal narrative kind of story and the people that craft and tell them. Now, some weeks, a storyteller tells one of their stories here and then breaks it down with me, Sean. Other weeks, we feature stories from one of our shows. It might be the 99 Second Slam, the Mental Health Happy-ish Hour, or some other event we run. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories, but also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories, personal stories, grit stories. We are coming to the end of season two, which has been dedicated entirely to women and their stories. And today... I am joined by Crystal Bartelzi. Crystal lives up in Toronto, Canada. As you'll learn in our conversation, Crystal does a lot of things in both story and theater and improv. She's also a 99-second Grand Slam champion. I'm psyched that she's here with us to tell one of her stories and break it down and have that conversation. If you listen on Apple, please stop this podcast right now. Just pause it. Scroll down, leave a rating or a review. It really helps people find the podcast. All right, without further ado, Crystal, let's dive in. Hey, Crystal. So I don't even know how we met. I think it might have been originally through the 99.
0: That's how we met, yep.
1: You came on, and within a fairly short period of time... You won a slam, and then you won the grand effing slam.
0: I did.
1: And there have only been four people who have won grand slams. You are one of them.
0: Well, I feel honored. It was, uh, that was a great night. I wasn't expecting that at all. And I don't just say that. So that was amazing.
1: Yes, you did very well. Thank you. You're a very good storyteller. And I know you're involved with other stuff in the world of improv, theater. Uh, But today, here on the GRIT podcast, you were going to tell a story, are you not?
0: I am going to share a story. Yep, I am.
1: I actually, judge me if you will, listeners, haven't heard this story. Or if I have, I don't know which story Crystal is going to tell, share with us. She knows, hopefully, it's not really long. Seven minutes. You can't see this because it's a podcast, (laughs) but she's saying seven minutes. (laughs) Great.
0: Maybe a little under. This would be a
1: fun podcast. So I speak, you make, like, do that, and then I'll tell the audience what you're doing. It'll be very compelling.
0: I was trying to be very uh, subtle and thought maybe you wouldn't mention (laughs) that I was holding up the number seven with my hands.
1: You'll tell a story. You're good at this. Then we'll break it down. We'll talk a little bit about the story and some other story related stuff. As our listeners know, they hear me say this a lot and they know that the storyteller who I've invited on can't start telling their story until I stop talking. They also know sometimes that's hard for me.
0: I know that about you.
1: So (laughs) I've gotten better. I've gotten better.
0: And I think we have something in common. We both like to talk a lot. So
1: (laughs) I'd like to believe, and I don't know if this is true, that at least for like the uh, 99 second slams, I've been proved a little bit, but it's still hard. So this is going to be fun. Now's the time I'm going to stop talking. And I'm looking forward to hearing your story.
0: I've just graduated theater school. And along with my good friend, Christina, who I meet at school, we now have a two-woman sketch comedy duo called The Burnt Marshmallows. Now, the name The Burnt Marshmallows comes from our time at school when we feel rejected, constantly discarded, like over toasted marshmallows. Christina and I attend a triple threat theater school, and the mandate of the school is to get in, or to get in was to be strong in one discipline, singing, dancing, acting. And if you could display some solid talent in any of those disciplines, you would most likely be admitted. So Christina and I both came from dance backgrounds, so we were strong dancers, we were solid actors, but sadly we were not gifted in the singing department. But the rest of our classmates in first term just happened to be exceptional singers, So it was the fact that they were all amazing singers and Christine and I were not, that we felt like we were the low status of our class and always felt shafted. By the time we reached fifth term, this is the final term before graduating, our end of term project was a musical. And the artistic director of the school actually asked Christine and I not to participate in the school musical because he thought it would bring the quality down. But instead they offered to give us our own two woman comedy show. And this was perfect, we thought. This was our dream. This is what we wanted. However, a week later, we were told the school didn't have the budget, therefore retracting the offer. So while everyone else rehearsed the musical, Christina and I sit on the sidelines and we just watched with maybe the odd extra acting coaching offered to us. So it was from that, the constant rejection, that we came up with the name Burt Marshmallows. And Christina and I made a pact upon graduation. We would form our own two-woman duo. And that's what we did. So for years, we performed in comedy clubs, corporate events. We continued to take classes in many disciplines as well because we were always hungry to learn. And even at one point, we took an intro to clown class at the Second City, Toronto, because we learned that clowning can take any tragic situation and make it comedic. So after a few years uh, as the Burnt Marshmallows, Christine and I now get accepted into the Toronto Fringe Festival. So we're ready to create a new Full length show, and we secure a well known theater director. And then a few weeks before opening, our director suggests that we go up north to his property, which is a small cabin for a getaway from the city, so we can continue to polish up some writing, rehearse. It would really be a great escape, and I really want to go. I've actually been up to this property before, but Christina is so hesitant. She just wants to have a quiet weekend, relaxing with her friends and her family. But after much persistence. I convince her to come. So the three of us, we drive up north on a late Friday afternoon. We arrive, we unpack, we even roast the marshmallows, and then we hit the sack. And then the next morning, Christina and I are up early. But rather than just start writing or rehearsing, we thought it would be fun to go on a little kayak adventure. Christina takes it a step further and thinks she and she thinks it's going to be really funny if we even get into some of our costumes of our two characters, which were called Heather and Val. So we put on these really tiny Adidas shorts. Uh, We wear one of those t-shirts with the wolf print on it. We have these big rim glasses. We wear mullet wigs and we even sling our clown nose around our necks. And we get into our own personal kayak and we're about to set off when our director runs down and he tells us to put on our life jacket. And I'm in my 20s and I'm naive and I'm really annoyed because I think that the life jacket is going to take away, you know, sort of our creative look. But we put on our life jacket and we set off and we're paddling down this river and we're laughing hysterically and we're bantering and we're giggling. And as we continue, I am just looking for a giant rock because I know once you see this big rock, you have to veer to the right, because if you go off to the left, there's a set of rapids and a waterfall there. So we're paddling along and it's taking a while and then it dawns on me The last time I had been up to this property, it was a different time of year. So the water was low. That's why I saw the rock. But now it's completely different time of the year. And the water is really high. And by the time I realize this, it's too late and our kayaks are being veered to left. We are being pushed towards these waterfalls. And Christina knows nothing about this. And I start panicking and I tell her to paddle really fast. And we try going backwards, but nothing happens. And then I just, break out, and I abandon ship, and I jump out of my kayak, and then Christina follows suit, and now we're treading water, and our kayak is about to go over the rapids, and I tell Christina to swim, and we try to swim to the rock, but it's too strong, we try to swim to the shore, but it's too strong, and then I'm about to go over, and before I do I have this look with Christina that I'll never forget. We look at each other and it is that look of our years of friendship. It is that exchange of all of our chemistry. And I also look at her and piercing through my eyes, I am saying, I am sorry because we are about to die. And then I go over and I'm being pulled under the water and I'm slamming into rocks and I'm being rubbed up against with branches. And this feels like forever. It's probably a few minutes until finally I bang into this huge boulder and I stop. And I'm trying to catch my breath and I'm in so much pain and I'm panicking and screaming. And then I realize I have lost my shorts and I just have my underwear on. And then I start freaking out and I just start screaming Christina's name. And I see her running shoe drift past. And then I start crying and screaming even harder. And I'm so panicked that I don't realize all of a sudden that there is a man standing there and he's reaching out his hand. And this man, his name was John. And he had his cabin overlooking the rapids and he was standing on his deck and he happened to see this whole thing. So he made his way across and he's there to save me. And he pulls me out of the water and I'm so grateful for him. I'm a little bit embarrassed because I just have my underwear on, Uh, but he takes me into his cabin and his wife, Marianne is there. And Marianne wraps me in a big cozy towel. And then she gives me one of those velour jumpsuits. It's like velvety light blue. And she also gives me a pair of clean white underwear, but they're those really large fruit of the loom, white underwear briefs. And I go into the bathroom and I change. And when I come out, I see Christina. And Christina is sitting there and she's drinking a cup of tea. And she's also wearing a velour jumpsuit, except hers is pink. And we just stand there in shock for a moment. And then she comes over and we hug and we cry and we laugh and we whisper, are you wearing one of those white underwear too? And it just happened that John, the man who saved us, He knew our director, so he contacted our director who was coming over to pick us up, and all was going to be okay. And a few weeks later, we go to open our show, and Christina's pretty banged up, and I have three broken toes, but we get some press because of our accident. And we go on stage every night, and we have made this potential major tragedy into a comedy because that's what we learned from all of our clown training. And we built that look into the show, and we look into each other's eyes every night we perform because we are grateful for all of our years and what we've been through and our friendship. And for our little good luck charm, we wore the white underwear every night under our costume.
1: I usually try to focus on one component of the story Mm -hmm. breakdown. Sometimes I get a little into other stuff. There is, there's one thing that was particularly like, oh, I want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Before I ask you that though, when did you first craft that story?
0: There's a show here in Toronto. I think it was called Fireside Tales. And uh, it was Rhian and Archer and Helder Brum ran the show. And it was actually held at a park and they would light a campfire. And then you would go and the storytellers would, you know, tell their stories around the fire and the audience would come. And I just got invited on that show one night. Yeah, I think I just was thinking about probably fire, Burt Marshmallow. And that's when I was first inspired to tell that story. Uh, so that was probably three years ago. But this actually happened you know, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I hadn't told that story. Do you,
1: when you're figuring out, all right, these people ask me to tell a story. Maybe I'll tell the story about me and my friend in the river. What's the process like? Do you start at the end? Do you start in the middle? What do you do?
0: Basically, I when I'm asked to do a storytelling show, you know, often there's a theme. So if there's a theme, it's easier because I, I have to really go back in my, you know, sort of memory and think of something that will fit the theme. If there's no theme, I actually start with going for a walk, to be honest. I start with going for a walk and I just start thinking about stories or things that happen to me. I get inspired by that. And then I honestly I don't write anything down not for the longest time and usually never. And um, that's one from-
1: of those, I can't stand those people. Okay, <laughs> I, just, I
0: can't stand
1: that shit because there's other people I've talked to, not a ton. Your brains are different.
0: But why, is it a bad thing? No, <laughs>
1: I'm jealous.
0: You know, I've, I've been telling stories all this pandemic and it's one of my biggest regrets. I've got to compile all my stories because I've been telling so many stories, but no, that is my process. It's It comes through improv. I walk around and I walk around my house and I just recite it. And I mm-hmm. recite it. Sometimes I will speak it into my device, mm-hmm. and then I'll I'll transcribe it the odd time. But it's a lot of just reciting it, reciting it. So yeah, so that is my process. And then sometimes I'll I'll start writing it. I'll write it down. This one I've got notes for it, and um, I have written this one down. This is one of my stories that I've probably told more often than other stories, like mm-hmm. just just live or whatever. Um, I I think I probably have three or four stories that are sort of in my you know, in my back pocket.
1: Anytime, anywhere.
0: Yes. And then otherwise I get inspired to tell new stories. It's a good story. Thank you.
1: Here's the thing. Now there's all these different things we could talk about, right? So you've taught storytelling. You do a lot of Mm -hmm. storytelling, right? All the things that make a good story, good story. This, 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 this. And you do all of them very well. Here's the thing about the story that I really like. And I want to talk a little bit about and how you did it. One of our goals is when we're telling a story, we want the people who are hearing the story. I'm saying something. And I don't want you to be bored or lost or confused. And I want you to know, I want you to be into what is, what's going to happen next? Uh I want that feeling to some degree, right? I don't want you to, and you do a really good job of that. Where as you're telling your story, I'm hearing your words. I'm I'm imagining what it looked like for me. That's my brain. I'm like, Uh oh, you know, you're, you're, you're painting the picture. What's going to happen next. What's going to happen next, Uh which is amazing. So I don't know if this is a weird question or one question that is easily answered. How do you do that?
0: I love that question. You're making me think. What I like and what I hope to achieve is that you are listening to my story and you're you're with me on one journey and then somehow it goes in a direction you weren't expecting. There's obviously, there's the ending. We know what I'm trying to achieve or where the ending is going. So maybe in the crafting of it, I start with like, you know, like now I'm talking about theater school. I go on a whole tangent about theater school. You never know that it's going to get to this potential accident that I kind of back up, I guess, a little bit and sort of talk about one thing, which will then eventually lead to that thing.
1: Moment to moment, you don't give it away. You don't get ahead of the story typically where a lot of people do this. So when you're in the river, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you're giving us an idea of what might happen. Right. But you don't get ahead of it and tell us, it's just a skill set that I think good storytellers are able to do where where there's like possibilities. She might go right. She might go left. Holy shit. I hope she doesn't go left. Stretch it out. That took like 30 to 45 okay. seconds to get through, which is great. You could have rushed through that pot, pot went over the falls, blah, 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 but you didn't, you stretched it out.
0: And then I'm about to go over. And before I do, I have this look with Christina that I'll never forget. We look at each other and it is that look of our years of friendship. It is that exchange of all of our chemistry. And I also look at her and piercing through my eyes. I am saying, I am sorry because we are about to die. I think it's, I think it's being present in telling the story. I think I, with my imagination, I'm reliving it. I really am, you know, like I'm seeing it. So it's a visual thing, I think for me. So I'm in the moment. So when I tell the story, you know, again, I don't know how other people do it, but for me, when I'm telling the story, yeah, I guess that's how I would answer it. I'm present, I'm living it. Um, I'm thinking about the detail. I love great detail, you know, and it's that fine line between the detail and then not over explaining something and mm-hmm. having too much detail that we don't need. You know, when I'm telling it, I, and I think that's part of my physicality in telling a story is because I'm kind of in it, living it sharing it like it's just happening so i'm seeing it so i think that right especially with that story and i can tell it like it's not it's not traumatic for me to tell it you know because uh, i would i probably wouldn't tell it if i wasn't over it or probably if it had a a terrible ending like a tragic ending it would probably be harder for me to tell it but i'm comfortable telling it i just i relive it that's how i would do it
1: and if you're listening to this i always want to think about the people particularly who are newer to this one particular moment as an example or illustration Right when that's really peaking and we think you might actually go over the falls, you stop the story. Essentially. You don't stop the story. I, th- I call it like freezing. Yeah. And then you go with the, you look into each other's eyes and you're giving us, you're, you're helping us understand the relationship more there. The action's still happening, but you've kind of paused it. And the moment you want to switch that on again, you do it. And you're over the falls. That is high level storytelling. Crystal.
0: Well, Sean, you're so great at it too. So, you know, but I think, I think you would agree with me that. What we don't want from storytelling is we don't want the audience to be ahead of us. So if the audience is going to know what's going to happen, then why do we have to tell the story? When the best 99s are too, from watching your show is when it goes somewhere we weren't expecting.
1: i got to tell you the story about how me and my friend went over the waterfalls and we almost died. It's like, I don't need to actually hear the story now. You just told me the story, essentially. Got to work really hard to fill in the details for me to care because I know exactly how it's ending.
0: Well, that's why it's an art form. And I love this art form. Right. And, and uh, that's why not everyone can do it. It's, you know, everyone thinks they have can sit around the dinner table and tell a story, but it's, it's crafting it and it takes yeah. some shape and how to hone it. Right.
1: Yeah. I think a hundred percent. When was the first time you told this kind of story, like this kind of crafted personal narrative story?
0: I've probably been doing it longer than I realized. So, so just to let you know, I mean, I'm First and foremost, I was an actor. I am an actor, I should say. And then I started creating my own work, my own one-person shows. So I built stories into that, but they were almost full plays. So Mm -hmm. now maybe I didn't think there were stories, but uh, in terms of storytelling, from my memory, I think the very first story, I I have my print story um, that I told. I told it as a 99, the very first story I told at 99. And so basically how I first got into storytelling is I had that story. I hadn't told anyone that maybe one or two people, but I hadn't talked about it in about 15, 20 years. And I was hanging out with a friend and casually it came up. And I just told him the story of what happened to me in New York. And he's like, why have you never told that on stage? Mm -hmm. You know, he's a, he's a comic and a storyteller. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think about that. And he's like, yeah, you should really tell that on stage. So then there was like a variety night and I don't know, I got asked to do something. So then I crafted that story. That was the first time I actually thought about it. And, and honed it, not just how I would casually tell a friend, but that's when I started piecing it together, you know, and then that became, that had success that night. So I kind of was doing that whatever in the little circuit or for shows, I would always tell that story. And then I started really getting into storytelling and realizing that, especially in Toronto, there were so many other shows. And now that I have my own show that I co produce and we have a show every month, every month I'm responsible to come up with a story. So. You and Brian. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'd say storytelling for a couple of years now, but.
1: I get what you're saying though. like you were doing it before, particularly with your yeah. solo stuff. It was essentially a series of stories that you're connected, I imagine. Mm-hmm.
0: This, I just I just want to say, uh, like, I love this art form. I'm sort of, you know, I do so many things. I'm sort of, you know, I'm I'm an actor and then I'm in the theater community and then I do comedy, but I don't do stand up. So I'm a little bit in that community. But there's something about the storytelling community. I just feel I belong, like I love I love storytelling. And I love that there's not the pressure to have joke, joke, joke. And I love the craft of coming up with a story. And I just love the people in this community. I mean, not only in the city, but it's just been so awesome. It has been the highlight. Of, I speak about it a lot in the pandemic that I got to meet, you know, like you and your show. And through your show, I've met so many amazing American storytellers as well we're all just so supportive of each other and we all do each other's shows. And I just think it's an awesome community.
1: Six Degrees of Sean Wellington.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> it has been cool, really cool. One other question about this particular story.
0: Yes. Is there, as you
1: tell this story, because we make all of these choices, right? And there's mm-hmm. versions of stories. You probably could do that in five minutes. You could do it in 10 minutes. Maybe yeah. you tweak a little bit for a different audience, whatever it may be. As you tell that story, as you told it today, Is there any part of it that you're like, you know what, actually, I might want to change that a little bit, that little part. I'm not suggesting you need to. I'm just wondering. Yeah. Is there anything that you would change?
0: Funny you ask, um, because I've probably told a few different versions of this story. And I think the whole beginning of theater school, in another version I have anyway, that's not there. I kind of get more just to talking about getting up north and having this experience of, of building the show and then having that accident. Uh, so I was a little bit hesitant, to be honest, because now I'm putting stuff out there like, you know, for anyone who might hear this or I went to theater school, well, they'll remember this. And I kind of a little bit throw the school slightly under the no bus. Names. You know, There's no
1: names. You're right? anything.
0: So maybe that part just leading up to it. Sometimes I question if if I need that part so that, yeah, sometimes that's cut out. Uh, I'll tell you an interesting thing about it. I did this story for a show probably a few months ago already now. And uh, they wanted me to do mask work. So I also, I do a lot of stuff with masks. Mm -hmm. So they wanted me to do storytelling. And then I was incorporating masks and it was supposed to be a very bizarre performance. That's what they're looking for. So I actually, because I have a huge clowning background, I dove more into the clown part. I talked about clown. And then at the end, I went into the masks and the clown. So then I kind of, from this story, yeah, went into that world.
1: So sort of speaking to how we can take one story or maybe- I guess the word is story um, or the events around the story and you Mm -hmm. can hold it and tweak it and shape it. And Mm -hmm. yeah, should do. Yeah. Other than what we talked about with respect to keeping people or keeping the audience's attention and surprise Mm -hmm. that, that little conversation we had, do you have one or two pro tips for non-pros?
0: My pro tips are, I think, what we talked about. I think it's having a strong beginning, middle and end, but having a twist somewhere. So taking the, I would say, finding a way to take the audience on a journey, but building in a twist or something, the unexpected or the unknown. I guess also, yeah, telling it, I don't know, from a present perspective, if that makes sense, of going back to really being in the moment uh, and sharing that story.
1: Is there anything around, given your background with theatre? improv, Mm -hmm. all the other stuff Mm -hmm. um, around delivery or presentation.
0: I think playing with rhythm is a nice choice. So not just, you know, one note or not always super quick or super slow. Uh, So finding your pacing and yeah. And playing with rhythm I think is Mm. something that I would, would offer to people as well. And also it, you know, it's not easy, but just trying it. And I would also encourage people, you know, you should probably write it down and not be like me, but maybe starting a little bit. I I do think it's good advice. It might not work for everyone, but just starting with an idea and just start speaking it to yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than maybe right away, writing it down, just sort of talking it through. Yeah. And, and also if you're new to it, maybe working with a a director, running it by someone. I I mean, we all, we all had to jump over that hurdle. It's like, how do you start? You just, you got to do it. That's how you start.
1: Is there one storyteller, of course, present company excluded, who you love?
0: Well, like more in the celebrity version, I'd say I love Mike Birbiglia. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm just a huge fan of him because I like that he blends the theater and the storytelling world together. So I love I love him. You know, from your shows, there's so many people that I admire. Honestly, like Andrew Shelfo is great. Uh, Ron and Levy is fantastic. I could I just could keep saying names. a lot of names. Honestly, from your community, there's a lot of people that, you know, I've loved Joanne Peltier as well. So yeah, these are just great, solid storytellers that all have a different style, but I'm yeah. always captivated by them. You know, Tina that just won the, uh, the grand slam, like, you know, I mean, talk about everyone's got their own style, but it yeah, also, yeah. It, it depends on your personal life as well. And what you've been through, you know, because it's all from life experience.
1: Let's plug some shit. You've got. Yeah. Your improper Storytelling class, you've got your show with Brian. Tell us more about those two and anything else, please.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I run my regular monthly show, but that's another story with Brian Asimok uh, based out of Toronto, but obviously we're still online. Uh, we are currently have our digital show, uh, but that's another story on the Toronto Fringe website, and it's still playing till August 22nd. So you can still stream that. It's got amazing storytellers uh including colin mockery and a couple canadian killer storytellers um it's a one-hour show and i think you pay five bucks and then you can pay what you can for the show uh we are going to be back hopefully in person or maybe online in september so we're always looking for new people so even if you don't live in the city of toronto you can contact myself or brian to still get on our show you've done our show sean This weekend I'm running, it only applies to Toronto people, but it's sold out. I'm doing uh, Find Your Inner Fool. So as I said, I have a huge clown background. So I'm doing an overnight two-day workshop on a farm uh, with 14 people. So we're gonna play with physical comedy and clowning. It's uh, Saturday and Sunday and we camp overnight. And then uh, September 28th, it's a two week session. Um, so I think it's Tuesday nights, six 30 till nine and that's improv for storytellers. Uh, you can find that on storytelling Toronto and essentially I'm just trying to work with people to, uh, yeah, help them become better performers as well through improv skills to feel more confident, uh, maybe to develop some ideas for new material, but also to be able to perform and feel more confident live in front of an audience or online if we're still online. And then, uh, I'm always looking for more shows, looking to create new stuff. So yeah. I just want to plug one more thing too. I'm, I'm working fun. with uh, well, I'm working with two colleagues of mine. Um, I teach in many institutions in Toronto as well. Uh, so we're putting together an all-female online comedy school. So it's for uh, you know females or female-identifying or non-binary students, um, and we're going to launch that in October, sort of end of mm. September, October. It's called Comedy Coop. And it's going to be all kinds of workshops and lectures from uh, all kinds of females working in the uh, comedy industry. So, storytelling, hey. stand up comedy. Yeah. So, we're really excited about that. We're just busy putting that together.
1: Awesome talking to you. I really appreciate you telling that story and talking with me.
0: Well, thank you for having me.
1: As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Crystal up in Toronto. Thank you for joining me and telling that story and breaking it down. Check the show notes for upcoming workshops and events, including this Sunday's Mental Health Happiest Shower. It's an open mic. Come check it out. And if you listen on Apple, please help us out. Rate and review this podcast. I know I say it a lot. It really does help people find it. So thanks. That's all for episode number 43. Boom.